Our Bible reading is taken from Psalm 74. We're going to read the entire psalm. Psalm 74. Let us hear the word of God, reading, of course, from the authorized version. And the words will come up on the screen. But as we've said before, we'd encourage you to get a copy of the Bible and find the reading and follow it. Not only hear the word, but see the word. And may the Lord bless you as you do so. Let's hear the word of God. Psalm 74, verse 1. O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why dost thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Remember thy congregation which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion, wherein thou hast dwelt. Lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations, even all that the enemy have done wickedly in the sanctuary. Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations. They set up their ensigns for signs. A man was famous according as he had lifted up axes upon the thick trees. But now they break down the carved work. They're off at once with axes and hammers. They have cast fire into thy sanctuary. They have defiled by casting down the dwelling place of thy name to the ground. They said in their hearts, let us destroy them together. They have burnt up all the synagogues of God in the land. We see not our signs. There is no more any prophet. Neither is there among us any that knoweth how long. O God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? Why withdrawest thou thy hand, even thy right hand? Pluck it out of thy bosom. For God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Thou did cleave the fountain in the deep. Thou driest up mighty rivers. The day is thine. The night also is thine. Thou hast prepared the light and the sun. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. Remember this, that the enemy hath reproached, O Lord, and that the foolish people have blasphemed thy name. O deliver not the soul of thy turtle dove unto the multitude of the wicked. Forget not the congregation of thy poor, forever. Have respect unto the covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full of the inhabitations of cruelty. O let not the oppressed return ashamed. Let the poor and needy praise thy name. Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproacheth thee daily. Forget not the voice of thine enemies. 
the tumult of those that rise up against thee increaseth continually. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now my text this morning is taken from Psalm 74 and verse 22 and it reads as follows. Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproacheth thee daily. Now I've entitled this message A Prayer for God to Remember His Cause. Now this was, of course, Remembrance Sunday. And all over the United Kingdom, people have been to the Cenotaph and back. And not only in the United Kingdom, but in other Commonwealth countries, people have stood for an act of remembrance, either at the Cenotaph or in church. That is, they've stood for two minutes' silence to remember the dead, especially of World War I, World War II, and all subsequent conflicts that have arisen in various places around the world. And again today, we want to especially remember the brave men and women of the British Armed Forces, the Royal Navy, the Royal Air Force, the Merchant Navy, men and women who paid the ultimate sacrifice in the defense of our political and civil and religious freedoms. Today, we again thank God for their service and their sacrifice. Did you know that World War I was called the Great War? It was supposed to be the end of all wars, but it was a mere forlorn hope. It was wishful thinking in the part of men. It was the puny wisdom of certain politicians. Of course, they didn't know the depth of human depravity. They knew nothing about the power of sin and Satan. For in 21 short years, the whole of Europe was plunged again into another war, a war that was more deadly and more blood-curdling than even the first. World War II, for the young people's benefit, was from 1936 to 1945. And there's those alive who can remember the war years and the re-ration books. Today also we want to stand to remember the brave men and women of the Royal Ulster Constabulary, the Ulster Defence Regiment and the Royal Ulster Constabulary Reserves, men and women who also were called upon to maintain the rule of law against terrorism in Northern Ireland, especially from the founding of the state in May 1921. And we think of those who lost their precious lives. We think of those who had loved ones murdered. I was just noting in this past few days that the 12th of November past, Friday, was the 40th anniversary of the murder of the Reverend Robert Bradford. He was shot dead at his desk by the IRA, posing as painters in Finnegan Community Centre, where he was holding his constituency surgery that day, 14th of November, 1981. We also think of the murder of the caretaker, Kenneth Campbell. He was murdered by the same gunmen on the same day. These were brutal murders, and they shocked Northern Ireland. Nobody has ever been brought to justice. No one has ever gone through the courts, been in prison for these murders. And we think of the 
gun that was used to murder the Reverend Robert Bradford and Kenneth um, Campbell. It was later moved, used to murder a judge, Judge William Doyle. It was also the same gun that was uh, used to murder Mary Travers. You see, today we have to think of those that were murdered. Today we also think of other lands where there's conflict left. Afghanistan, now under the total rule of the Taliban. We even have to think of lands where there's fierce persecution of its people. You see, remember today, our freedoms are not free. True freedom is not free. True freedom requires eternal vigilance. True freedom requires sacrifice even unto blood. True freedoms means that we must trust in the Lord. And I call on the youth of the church. I call on the youth of the country to remember our freedoms. We have been given the privilege of enjoying these great freedoms. The right to free assembly, the right to an open Bible, the freedom of conscience, a free press, a free judiciary, a freedom of expression. Uh, we, we, we live in a parliamentary democracy to which we thank God. We have freedom to live and work according to our choice. See, these are great freedoms, young people. And in the past, dictators have arisen, totalitarian governments have arisen to take away these freedoms from the people. And why we have an act of remembrance is because we don't want you to forget. We have already stood to say, we will remember them. The word remember is used 210 times in the Bible. I've told you this before. If we add the word remembrance and remembering, you get a total of 263. Isn't it wonderful? There's so many in the scriptures you see, there's things that God wants us to remember and the Holy Spirit has been instrumental in inspiring this particular word. And every year on Remembrance Sunday, I preach on the theme of remembrance from some of these 260-odd references. Now today, I have chosen Psalm 74, verse 22. Listen to the words. Arise, O Lord, plead thine own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproacheth thee daily. Now I've entitled it, A Prayer for God to Remember His Cause. These words were originally penned by a man called Asaph. He was a godly man who feared the Lord and loved the true and living God. In fact, he penned 12 Psalms. They're found there from Psalm 73 right through to verse 83 and a couple of others. Now he called this psalm, if you look at the title, a miscal of Asaph. The, the word miscal means to understand, to be instructed, to be, to be wise. You see, it was designed to teach us certain things. It was designed to bring certain truths to our attention about the Lord and his dealings with his people. And I thought, even as I read these words, and I thought of this prayer, a prayer for God to remember his cause, I said in my heart, how appropriate for our day and generation. How appropriate for Northern Ireland in its centennial year. 
You see, this psalm could be applied historically to the day when Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army came up against Judah and Jerusalem and completely took the land, took control of everything, burnt synagogues, destroyed the temple, carried people away captive, murdered people in their thousands. And that was the beginning of the times of the Gentiles. That's a very important date, 606 in the uh, history of the world. That marked the beginning of the period called the times of the Gentiles. And in that day, Jerusalem fell and Judah was captured. In fact, on three occasions, from 606 right through to 586, Nebuchadnezzar came up against Jerusalem and Judah. Each time he was successful and uh, Judah was totally plundered and the temple ended up being destroyed by fire and there's a pulling down of its walls and burning of its gates. We could also apply it prophetically because there will be a time not only when the Gentiles began but a time when the Gentiles will come to the end. And there's an end of day application here. I'm not going to go into it this morning but I'm just pointing it out. It can be applied not only historically but prophetically. But it also applies experimentally in our day and generation. You see, these words, verse 22, this prayer is an appropriate now as when it was given and uttered by Asaph on behalf of Jerusalem and Judah. And I ask the question, if you think of the words, in verse 22, he says, Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. And I ask this question to all of you listening today. Is there not a great need for God to arise? Even here in Northern Ireland. And for God to plead his cause. Why? Well, the answer's simple. His cause is under attack. The cause of truth and righteousness under attack. The truth is it's always been under attack. But today it has been intensified. I want us to think of this this morning. I want you to think of three things. A prayer for God to remember his cause. The reason to remember his cause. What is the chief reason that Asaph asked God to remember his cause? Here's the simple answer. Because the cause of God is under attack. Truth and righteousness is under attack. It's always been under attack from the beginning of time. It will continue to be under attack until the end of time, until Jesus comes in power and glory and sets up his eternal kingdom. But today, in our time, this attack has been intensified. We only have to think of the attack of resurgent Romanism. We think of the attack of apostate Protestantism. The, the, the attack of the evil of ecumenism. The attack of atheism. Secularism. What about an attack from hedonism? Where people do that which is right and pleasurable in their own eyes. What about the attack from moral relativism? You think of the state of the church in Northern Ireland... I'm not thinking of the Free Presbyterian Church. I'm thinking about the, the church of the firstborn as a whole in Northern Ireland. And the reality is, folks, if you're listening to me, is there not a fear 
Is there not a confusion? Is there not a sense of weakness and helplessness, a sense of powerlessness? Is there not a, a feeling of disillusionment that's filled our hearts and minds? A, a feeling of discouragement? And we're thinking, well, what's going to happen the next decade? Not merely what's going to happen in the next hundred years to Northern Ireland, but what's going to happen in the next decade? And you see, we asked ourselves, well, what can we do? Well, you see, there's an answer here. And the answer is a prayer for God to remember his cause. But before we utter the prayer, we need to remember the reason why. And here's the answer. The cause of God is under attack. It's interesting that Asas defines the precise nature of this attack. In this psalm, he's painting a very dark scene. The enemy has come into the land listen to me carefully, to defile the land, to destroy everything in the land associated with God's name. That is, they've come in to destroy the worship of God, to destroy the witness of God, to blot out the remembrance of his name, to, to destroy the word of God, stop the prophet and the preacher preaching, to, to stop the work of God. So much so that the man of God cries out, if you look at verse 1, he says, O oh God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Can you feel the weight of that? He wants to know what's the reason. And then we come to verse 9. He says, we see not our signs. There is no more any prophet. Neither is there among us any that knoweth how long. And he asks in verse 10. Here's a second question. O oh God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? You see, part of this attack involved even the Lord withdrawing his hand from upon his people and withdrawing the prophetic word from amongst his people. Can you feel the weight of verse 9? We see not our signs. In other words, the temple has been burnt. The synagogues are gone. There is no more any prophet. In other words, there's no word from God. There's no true prophet in the midst. There's no one to bring a ray of comfort. There's no one to offer us a promise and say, here, stand in this. Do we not see a parallel today? From Asaph's time to our time? See, let me point out, this is a day of great darkness. Look with me at verse 20, 74, verse 20. This is what the word of God says. Have respect unto the covenant. Why? Verse 20, for the dark places of the earth are full of the inhabitations of cruelty. The dark places of the earth. The word earth means land. He's thinking primarily of the land of Judah. We have to think of that land also, but we have to think of the wider lands of the earth. A day of gross spiritual darkness, what does it mean? A day with no light. A day when the light of truth and righteousness is being withheld. A day without the knowledge of God, a day of ignorance. A day of a famine for the word of God. A day for the lack of a real deep understanding of the things of God. Isn't that true of 
natural men and women. It's true then, it's true now. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18. He made this um, assessment. Remember, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. They're made up of Gentiles, non-Jews who've been converted. And he says this about them. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Individuals who were alienated from the life of God. That is, they were dead in their trespasses and sin. They were ignorant of the Lord. They were spiritually blind. They had no eyes to see. Now, let me ask, is that true of you this morning? You're not born again of the Holy Spirit. You're not a real, true, genuine Christian. You're not uh, genuinely saved. Your, your eyes have not been spiritually opened. You haven't seen your sin for what it is. You've seen the, your, the, the need of your soul. You haven't uh, cast your eyes on the Savior. You haven't seen the need of the salvation of the Lord. You see, that describes thousands in Northern Ireland. This is a day of great darkness. I want to tell you something else. It's a day of great depravity. If you look with me again at verse 20, he mentions, for the dark places of the earth are full of the inhabitations of cruelty. In other words, he's thinking of the houses that people live in. He's thinking of their lifestyle as, as it impacts their community and their country. And their lifestyle is full of cruelty. You see, this gross darkness leads to outright depravity. And we've got to think of the depravity of the human heart. The human heart's a monster of iniquity. And it can display itself in cruel acts and cruel words, one toward another. You think this morning of the evil horror of abortion. You think of the cruelty of men, doctors and nurses toward the unborn child. And that's only one area of cruelty. It's not that long ago since a man called Richard Dawkins, who's an out-and-out atheist, he had to apologize to a dear lady on a talk show, I believe it was on the radio, when she told him that she was carrying a Down syndrome baby, and he suggested that he should abort her Down syndrome baby and start again. You see, we could add to that illustration the cruelty of men to their fellow men. Because they don't love the Lord with all their heart and soul and mind and strength. Therefore, they're not going to love their neighbor as their self. And they're going to be cruel in their words and cruel in their ways toward their neighbor. And surely we see that even in times of conflict and war. It's also a day of great derision. Look with me at verse 10. Psalm 74 verse 10. O oh God, how long shall the adversary approach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? Underline that. Come to verse 18. Remember this, that the enemy hath reproached, O Lord, and that the foolish people have blasphemed thy name. Notice the reference to foolish people, and we're told what they do. They blaspheme thy name. He's not speaking about stupid people, people who can't count, people who can't read or write people who don't know the letters of the alphabet. He's talking about the intellectuals. He's talking about the great and the good. He's talking about those who are highly educated. And despite being highly educated, what do they do? 
they speak blasphemy, great blasphemy against God and his work. You see, we live in a day when you can say anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. You can say anything about the Bible, anything about the church, anything about the God of heaven. That's accepted. But I want to tell you, if you speak anything against Islam or anything against the false prophet called Muhammad, well, you're going to be in big trouble. You're going to be in hot water. Let me illustrate. In May 2010, a Muslim man sprayed a British war memorial with the slogan, it was this, Islam shall dominate. He was fined 50 pound and he walked free from the court. Another Islamist in the month of November, I think of the same year, burned a poppy at the cenotaph. And he was also fined 50 pound and walked free from court. Recently, some individuals, don't know who they were, but they painted a poppy outside Portsmouth Mosque. And they have just been given six months in prison for painting a poppy on the mosque. Now that shows you the disproportionate view that people have, even the legislators in the land, towards Bible-believing Christianity and the false religion called Islam. It's not that long ago since the Government and Morals Committee led a protest outside Belfast Opera House who were displaying the vile blasphemous play Jesus Christ Superstar. And we were there to protest and we'll continue to go and protest at such vile blasphemy in our day and generation. But do you know that that play was partly funded by the Stormont government? You see, this is a day not only of darkness and depravity, but a day of derision. It's also a day of defiance. Look at verse 20 again. Have respect unto thy covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full of the inhabitations of uh, cruelty and then he says in verse 22 arise O God plead thine own cause remember how the foolish man reproacheth thee the word reproaches means defying the Lord the mindset is who is the Lord that I should obey him in other words there's an absolute contempt and defiance of who and what God is mocking God we could give many illustrations of individuals. You only have to think of Goliath of Gath who defied the living and the true God and defied his army whom David slew. This is also a day of great disdain. Look at verse 23. It says there, Forget not the voice of thine enemies. The tumult of those that rise up against thee increaseth continually. The voice of the enemies of God. They're loud and proud. And they get on the media, the radio, the TV, and, and they cry that their human rights are being violated. And they're hurt and they're defended by things that the preacher has said or the church has said. And they're very unhappy. And their voice is heard daily. Their voice is heard continually. It's not a one-off. There's a, 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 an increasing here of this. And also it's, it's unrelenting. It's a day of great disdain. It's also a day of great decisions. Notice the word here in verse 23. The tumult of those that rise up against thee increaseth continually. 
The word tumult there is very, very interesting. Because you think of people in a multitude coming together, not one individual, but many. And they're rising up together against the Lord and against his people. Tie it into verse 8, they said in their heart, let us destroy them together. That's, that's their mindset. They're growing in strength. They're growing in numbers and they're banded together. And the thought is, we've made a decision. Let's destroy them together. Let me tell you a sixth thing. It's a day of great destruction. What is the focus of their attack? Here's the answer. Everything that bears the name of the Lord. Everything associated with the Lord and his work. His worship. You've got to think of his sanctuary in that day. The temple. The, the, the local synagogues. The very place where the Lord chose to put his name. You, you've got to think of his word. Speaking against God and his word by killing and murdering his prophets and his preachers. You've got to think of the Lord's work. Attacking his sovereignty, his providence, his creation. You've got to think of the Lord's witness. You think of his people at this time. Think historically the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar coming to Jerusalem. The children of Israel gathered for worship and there's a roar in the temple. The temple worship is interrupted. They start murdering. They, they plant their ensigns. They defile the house of God. They cast in fire. They break down the, the walls of the city. You see, there's a parallel, is there not? What about state interference and state intruding into the life and witness of the church? Where its only head is Jesus Christ? You see, have we not got a, an anti-extremist strategy today by the government? Is the government not planning the registration of all churches in our day and generation? It's a bit like government-sponsored ecumenism. They, they want to root out all undesirable teaching. And the government wants to approve what's okay to teach the children. And I want to tell you, listen to me carefully now. I know the time is late, but there's a day of persecution coming for the people of God. Look at verse 19. It says, O deliver not the soul of thy turtle dove unto the multitude of the wicked. Think of a turtle dove. A turtle dove is the picture of a bird who's harmless, picture of a bird who's defenseless, picture of a bird who is pure and undefiled. The turtle dove's not a bird of prey, but it's preyed upon. It's attacked. And in Asaph's day, the worship and the work and the word and the witness of God was under attack verbally and physically. The turtle dove didn't harm society. It was there to help society. It was there for its good and its well-being. The turtle dove was to act like salt and light. It was there for its benefit. And yet the enemy's plan was to come into the land and crush and collapse the congregation of the Lord, even though they were poor and needy people. Now here's six reasons for God to remember his cause. And Asaph enumerates them. Spiritual darkness, spiritual depravity, spiritual derision, spiritual defiance, spiritual deceit, spiritual decisions, spiritual destruction. Destroy the sanctuary of the saints. There's the reasons. Now let me very quickly think about the root to remember his cause. He says this, arise, O God, plead thine own cause. You see, Asaph is calling on the Lord. He is looking to him. He is praying to him. He believes in the power of prayer. He knows who the people of God are. 
Verse 1, the sheep of his pasture. He knows that they're the congregation of his redeemed children. And he's asking the Lord, why have you allowed this in the land? That's what verse 1 is all about. And he's asking the Lord in verse 9 and verse 10, how long, Lord? Two questions. Asaph is well aware the Lord is sovereign. He's well aware that the Lord deals providentially with people. Asaph knows full well what the enemy is doing. He has seen the enemy. He has heard their blasphemy and their boasts. But he knows they're only a secondary cause, not the primary cause. And he knows that the Lord has permitted this to happen. He knows that it's all part of his sovereign plan, not by accident, but by design and purpose. He knows the Lord is on the throne. He knows the Lord has lost none of his ancient power. Look at verse 12. For God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Why, Lord? How long, Lord? Is those not the questions we're asking? Why is the cause of truth and righteousness facing such hardship and declension in Northern Ireland? You think of the enemy in ascendancy, the land being taken, the temple in Jerusalem burnt, the synagogues destroyed. There's a reproach of the name of the Lord. And people are ignorant of all that he is, boastful and proud. Why? Has there not been because there's a forgetting of the Lord and a turning from him and a backsliding into sin? Not loving the Lord as we ought. You see, let me explain this. This declension comes, especially when there's a transition from one generation to another. You think of verse 5. A man was famous according as he had lifted up axes upon the thick trees. It's a reference to the building of the house of God. And you think of the famous men that went into Lebanon forest and cut down the uh, cedar trees and then brought them down eventually to Jerusalem to build the house of God. And these men were famous, men of renown, men that you could look up to. But now, we read in verse 6, but now they break down the carved work thereof at once with axes and hammers. These men that were once famous for cutting down trees to build the house of God are, are now different personalities and they're now famous for breaking the house of God, for being involved in the destruction of the work of God. Let me apply that. In a previous generation, how many have stood to defend the cause of God, prepared to sacrifice prepared to do everything for the advancement of the work of God. Famous men in their day and generation. But men have been called home. Those men are no longer with us. We're now in a picture of change and transition. And the reality is that even in the free Presbyterian church, there's not the same conviction that there was in the days of the founding fathers of the church. Despite all that's been wrought previously, all the particular values that have been formally held, all the sincere convictions, many of them are gone. Why? Asaph wants to know. Is it not partly to deepen our dependence on the Lord among a godly remnant? Is it not partly so that we'll turn to him and cry to him to arise in his strength? 
Is it not so that we could long for him to return in power and in glory? Isn't it interesting that in Egypt, there's a reference made here to Egypt in this psalm, the children of Israel turned to the Lord by reason of their affliction. When they discovered hardship and bondage, the Lord used that. He allowed that. He permitted that. And he used that as a means to cause them to cry out to him for visitation and divine intervention. The Lord also used it as a means to hasten the destruction of Pharaoh and his army. Why in our land is there not days of prayer and fasting? Why in our land is there not a true sense of brokenness? Why in our land is there not a weeping between the porch and the altar? I could take you to England and Scotland. I could take you to Wales. I could take you to parts of Northern Ireland where churches have been closed. Churches have become pubs, furniture warehouses, nightclubs. How long? When will it be reversed? Will it ever be reversed? We don't know. You see, that situation can only change when the Lord arises. When the Lord sovereignly pleads his own cause, when the Lord comes to honor his own name. You see, the rising of God is a manifestation of his presence. A manifestation of his power. A manifestation of his purpose. You think of a lawyer before the judge. And he's pleading the cause. And Asaph wanted the Lord to plead his own cause. To come and contend for the faith. To to, to come and, and strive and stand against those who seek to destroy the cause of God in the land. To destroy the church of God. Oh, that we could recognize that we need the Lord. Because our only effective defense against the enemy is the Lord himself, the Lord's presence, the Lord's power, the Lord's purpose. And that's why I fear the withdrawing of the Lord's hand and fear the withholding of the prophet and the preacher out of the land. Where is the Lord this morning? The withholding of his hand, the withholding of his presence and power. We should fear that the most. That's why Asaph cried, why? How long? He was getting to the root to remember his cause. You think of this as we finish. The remedy to remember his cause. He says, arise, O God. You see, this is a prayer. And there's no shortcuts. There's only one remedy to the presence and power of the enemy in the land, and it's the power of intercessory prayer. And I believe this morning the Lord is waiting for the cry of his people. See, we have the remedy. Think of a doctor, and he's prescribing some medicine for some particular diagnosis, and he says to you, take this, okay, you're sick, but if you take this, it'll make you better. And you're going to be silly, and you're saying, well, I'm not going to take that medicine. It's too bitter. I don't like it, and I can't be bothered. We have the remedy. The country is in bad shape. Northern Ireland is sick despite its centennial year. And the church is in bad shape. And what's God's remedy? God's remedy is first of all prayer. If we cry, he promises to hear. If we call, he will arise. 
So we underscore the importance of prayer here, individually. Am I a man or woman of prayer? We understand the importance of prayer corporately. This psalm is a prayer. It's a prayer of Asaph from his heart. Oh God, can you hear it wrenched out? Arise, oh God. We, we can listen in for our benefit, listen for our learning, listen for our instruction. Not only the importance of prayer, but intervention by prayer. You see, in British, in biblical history, God intervened. And we could illustrate how he intervened for the children of Israel when they cried out because of their affliction in Egypt and because of their bondage. And they cried to God and he heard and raised up Moses and, and by the power of the blood of the Lamb brought them out of Egypt, the 10th plague. But what about church history? Has there not been times when we've recognized the importance of prayer? And in times we cried out for intervention through prayer, where we recognize we need the Lord. Is that not what happened in 18 or 1588 at the Spanish Armada when God blew with his wind? Is that not what happened in World War II at Dun Dunkirk? You see, we need the Lord, and we need the Lord to arise, and we need the Lord to come. And he wants us to understand the importance of prayer, but he wants us to understand intervention by prayer. And in fact, in the Psalms, and I haven't time to go through it this morning, there's 12 prayers with the word arise in it. And this is one of them. Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. But there's 11 others. Psalm 3, verse 7. Psalm 7, verse 6, Psalm 9, verse 19, Psalm 10, verse 12, Psalm 17, verse 13, Psalm 44, 23, Psalm 44, verse 26, Psalm 68, verse 1, Psalm 74, verse 22, our text for today, Psalm 82, verse 8, Psalm 102, verse 13, Psalm 132, verse 8, all with this word arise. That's the remedy, to go to God and ask him to arise, to come in his presence, his power, and with his purpose on behalf of his people. I commend this thought to you. On this Remembrance Sunday, in the centennial year of we Northern Ireland, a hundred years old this year, a hundred years ago this would have been the first Remembrance Sunday. And what do we want to remember Oh yes, we remember our fallen dead. But let's remember this prayer. A prayer for God to remember his cause. It's under attack. And the root of it is because of sin amongst his people. And the remedy is to repent and get right with the Lord and return to him with all our heart. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to us.